This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. Joining us on the phone a little bit later will be NHL beat writer Mike Moriel to talk about the St. Louis Blues and how they are not exactly living up to billing. That's a polite way to put so it. So far, yes. that is. They a- suck. <laughs> They're, Andy's I mean, got it. Andy's got it. They shouldn't say they suck. They they can't finish a game like well, yeah. It's very extremely frustrating. I, I'd say frustrating is probably a better adjective yes. to use than they suck. Yes. Who are you more frustrated at, the Blues or Stan Cranky? Uh, well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> there, there, we, we've got there's there's so much to talk about. So much info. There's, I mean, there's it's not, just there's, a mountain of hot takes. There's not one big story, but there's a bunch of like really kind of like medium to large size stories that we got to hit on. That we got to hit on. Got to. Uh, the World Series Game 1 starts tonight. Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Dodgers at Fenway Park in Boston. Uh, I'm Personally, I'm cheering for the Dodgers because I can't stand the Red Sox. And I actually do kind of like the Dodgers. I know that's kind of – that's that people like give me kind of a funny look. Almost like when I tell people I like the Yankees, people mm-hmm. look at me like, why do you like the Yankees? I'm like, why wouldn't I like the Yankees? Just because they can do whatever your team – like what they do is what you wish your team could do doesn't right. mean you need to hate them. Right. And, and they're, they're consistent. It's they're, not like they're ever going to be bad. And they're a class organization. Yeah. Say what you want about the Yankees. Overall, they're an extremely classy organization. As are the Dodgers. As are the Dodgers, too. Yeah. And I just think that, like, you know, if you're a professional baseball player playing baseball in Los Angeles, I would imagine it has to be pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, at Chavez like, Ravine, the, I mean, the, the, either, the, the L.A. Sunshine. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad to play in Boston, either. No, it's not. I'm just saying that, you know, I, I think kind of people, when, when they think of like, you know, great baseball cities to play in, mm. Boston comes to mind, New York comes to mind, obviously St. Louis comes to mind. I think sometimes L.A. kind of gets overlooked. I think that's a West Coast bias. I think that you could, could be say too. that for like a lot of teams. But it got me thinking, right now, which sports city has it best? Is it Los Angeles or is it Boston? Because if you're Los Angeles right now, you got both teams in the World Series. If you're L.A., you've got the Rams who are undefeated and they're steamrolling right to the Super Bowl, as much mm-hmm. as I hate to say it. Right. But that's the direction. That's, they're, they're on a, uh, a Super Bowl collision course. Right. You've got LeBron and the Lakers there as well. In Boston, you've got the Celtics who are more than likely going to represent the East out of the for the NBA. They're gonna rep- it's either going to be them or Toronto, I think, right. maybe Philadelphia. Right. But there's a good chance the Celtics are going to be there. You got the Patriots, and the Patriots, I mean, right now, if I told you the Patriots are going to go into Arrowhead and play the Chiefs in the AFC title game and win, would you be stunned? No. Absolutely not. When you have Tom Brady on your team, nothing should When you got Tom Brady, absolutely. And I, I heard another stat today that completely floored me about the New England Patriots. Everybody making this big stink about how the Raiders, they traded Khalil Mack, and oh my God, how can you do that? How can you do that? And I heard about teams that rush the quarterback. The number one team that does that is is the Rams. Mm-hmm. Number two is Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And number three is the New England Patriots. Name one player, other than Dante Hightower, that, that rushes the quarterback in, on uh, the New England Patriot team. I can't name another person. Kyle Van Noy. There you go. Okay, so there's two. <laughs> 
It's amazing how year in, year out, they they lose their coordinator to the Detroit Lions. He's yeah. their head coach. Yeah. Yep, no big deal. We're, we're, we're still going to find a way to, to get to the quarterback. Um, on the other side of that, the team that, that uh, gets to the quarterback the, the fewest amount of times, obviously, is the Raiders. They're, mm. they're the lowest. And I knew that from watching a couple of their games. But the team that's fifth lowest, Chicago Bears with Cleo Mack. That surprises me. I can't. So I was having this conversation with somebody on Sunday, and I. And I was I was asking I was like, do you think the Bears are actually good? It, it's hard to really look at that team and decide yes, they're actually good or no. You know, they're just benefiting from some good play from Trubisky. You know, Matt Nagy's got the offense rolling. I'd say good. They're not, they're not great. They're not great by any means. Is this? I don't know what what song is this. Well, it's just let, let, let it pit for a minute. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Randy Newman. Ah, okay. All right. I like it when we do this. This is fun. That town is a little bit too rugged for you and me. Oh, this is I Love L.A. It's I Love L.A. There we go. Wow. There it is. Really? Feature, featured in the great film, The Naked Gun. The Naked yes. Gun, yeah. But, uh, I mean, right now, you, that's a pretty good argument to have. Who, what, what sports city has it better, L.A. or Boston? I think there's two schools of thought. One being, I think L.A. definitely has more star power in terms of big names. Well, once you got LeBron, yeah. Once you got LeBron, I mean, Clayton Kershaw has been an L.A. figure for how many years now? Um, Todd Gurley, I mean, is the face of a franchise. That's, Aaron Donald as well. Aaron Donald as well is currently the faces of a franchise that's undefeated. You know, in the NFL, the world's biggest sports organization. Um, and then you have Boston, which is kind of like really for the past as, as long as I've been alive, 10, 15 years, or as long as I've been watching sports, is just they're consistent. It, it, the consistency out of Boston is more than that of L.A. If Boston fans, and I hope they do appreciate how lucky they really are because oh, yeah. you don't have to be very old to remember all four of your teams have won their title. Right. In your lifetime. Right. So And, you, know, and you, you could be, you know, like 18 years old. Yeah, if you're 18 years old, you're the Red Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics, or the Patriots have won a title in your lifetime. I mean, that's pretty nice. You're completely spoiled. Now we're gonna do the drop kicker, <laughs> <laughs> shipping them up to Boston. It's, it's yeah, the, I mean, you know, we just might as well hit both on both as well. Socks. The, the uh, deposit. I'm feeling, I'm feeling creative. <laughs> I'm feeling creative today, guys. There we go. I, I like it, it too. Adding production value. No, but if you have to, I mean, at the end of the day, it's really like, do you pick the star power? Do you pick, you know, that attraction? Or do you pick consistently winning? Well, I mean, like, okay, they both have the star power, though, because in, I'm not saying Boston's lacking star power. Because they got Tom Brady. They have, to, But they've had Tom Brady for, if you're asking me present day, like today, if I take just the teams as they are today, I'll pick Boston. Is a better sports city. Because right now the Celtics, I think, have a better chance of having of going to the finals than what the Lakers do. Right now the Lakers haven't won a game. They're 0-3. Right. right. And, I mean, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but I think the Lakers, if they get past the first round, I think they won't get past. They'll, they'll get to the second round, and that'll be it. Right. Because no, they're the, the, not the going to be that, the five no. solid teams in the West. The, the, team that, the team that, as it's currently constructed, I think isn't going to get any further than what no. than the fifth round. No. So, yeah, I, I would say probably Boston now. And, and I think Boston's going to win the World Series, too. I think it's going to go seven games. I would I would agree that it's Boston as well. Although, that, that, L.A., I don't even know what the superior city is, though. So, I mean, we do these tales of the tape between two cities. Sure. Maybe, guess, we'll, maybe we'll do it next week. I think it all depends on what you're looking for in the city. So, who has better baked goods? Let's think. Of what's what's famous in L.A. for baked goods? 
Well, I mean, legal, uh, weed is legal now in California. So okay, your, weed's legal. There's your, there, there's, your, there's your baked good. Uh, and what about a baked good at a Boston cream pie? There you go. You're the weed or a Boston cream pie. I give the, I give the win to L.A. on that one. See, like I think of Boston as a drinking city and L.A. as a party city, if that makes sense. It's two different groups of people. Yeah. Which is crazy to think Boston's about. Boston's more like a blue collar. Definitely. You're going to go to like pubs and dive bars and it's going to be, you're sitting there now, you got a beard, you got your, your cap turned around backwards. Like that's going to be like someone going out Friday night. It's, yeah. the, Mar- it's the Mark Wahlberg look. It's, it's the Mark Wahlberg look. There's going to be like minimum effort put in. To go to going out and trying to pick up women. You gotta, that's okay. You gotta, you gotta, everybody's you, doing it. Yes. Everyone there is doing it. You guys say things like wicked, wicked, awesome, wicked pissa, wicked pissa. Yeah, up a deca. You gotta say like car in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. car in the parking lot. Forty four. Yeah, there can't be any R's. Yeah, going down and, to watch the sewers. <laughs> you, you think of L A. You think of L A. as more of a party town, like the clubs right. and you know. The yeah. nightlife, the LA, limos, better better nightlife. I mean, it depends on what you like. If you like dive bars, you like you like Boston. If See, you like, like if you like big old club clubs, and I, and I like dive bars better than clubs. I like dive bars too. I mean, even when I was, you know, right now I'm too old to go to the club. But even when I was young enough to go to the club, I didn't like going to the club that much. Let's go to the Wheelhouse this weekend. Let's go check it out. <laughs> I think let's I would just feel see what happens. St. Louis's premier club. I think I would feel like I was wheelhouse. nine million years old. You would feel ancient. In, I feel ancient in there. I'm sure I would feel, I feel ancient, ancient in there. Yeah, I can't. Absolutely, I, I refuse to go to wheelhouse. I think I heard Hannah Yates say one time on the Hard Line when she was still on there, or uh, the Line Change, whatever, whatever show it was, that she said that if you're really, she goes honestly, she goes if you're over 25, you're probably too old to go to the you wheelhouse. Definitely are. Are you? T- if you're over 25, are you too old to go to 360 as well? No, let's See, say like, that one's different though because there's a lot of events and like after work happy hours. And and like like th- I've been there multiple times. At, at 360, I mean, because there's no dance floor or anything like that. They have right. a DJ there, but that's more like just kind of like hang out, have a couple of cocktails, and right. and take in the views. Wheelhouse Do, is a college bar, absolutely. Yeah, I figured it was. <laughs> I bet is so is, but it's three sixty is a full of designer boots and puffy coats on pretentious women. Not necessarily. No. I've been no, okay. I've, I've been to t- like yeah. I've been to three sixty many times. Like after a cardinal game, and people will be showing up wearing jerseys and caps and yeah. and okay. stuff like that. Yeah, no, like three sixty is not like that at all. I would okay. say on a regular night, it's full of young working class professionals. When I was uh, on five ninety and my show was on six to eight. I tried to work a deal with 360 where I was going to do a show from their rooftop on the Fridays that they had that the Cardinals have home games. Okay. And they never responded back to my my sales pitch. <laughs> I guess they didn't need your uh, your your fantastic They did not skills. need it at all. They, they did need, not need my promotion. You didn't want to or they didn't want you to be the official voice of Bar 360. They did not. They they looked at me and said get the bleep out of here. Yeah. Speaking of college, college, colleges, college football. Your mom goes to college. Your mom goes to college. Uh college football. Mizzou stomped Memphis, even though like going into that game, I'm like, man, this kind of has like a a way to wreck the season right here. Like if Mizzou loses this game, I'm not sure Barry Odom is going to be able to keep his job, and I'm not even sure that Mizzou's even going to go to a bowl this year. But they they kicked the crap out of Memphis, and an entertaining game, yeah, as far as offense goes. Uh, but I want to talk what uh, I want to talk about uh, things beyond Mizzou. You saw Ohio State lose to Purdue. And thank God for Twitter because I wasn't paying any attention to that game whatsoever. I was watching uh, Game 7 of the NLCS, right. and I was going to watch that until 
uh, LeBron was going to make his debut in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So I'm on Twitter, and then I'm hearing, I'm reading people saying, you know, man, if Purdue could just hold on. To per-, I'm like, Purdue, hold on. What are you talking about? And I flipped beating. it on, and it was an ass whooping yeah. by the Boilermakers, and I could not believe it. So it looks like, you know, Ohio State, there's their ugly loss, and that's an ugly loss. Yeah, it's bad. Georgia's lost. LSU's lost. What team do you think can really give Alabama a challenge in the title game? UCF Golden Knights, baby. The, the, the <laughs> team that almost lost to Memphis. <laughs> Honestly, I, it's almost even counterproductive to talk about it because there. The answer is there is no there is no team. There really isn't anybody, is no and team. that's to me that's so bad about who's going to lose to Alabama. Is really which, is, what the a, question a, should be. Right. At this point. It really, really is. That's the best. That's the best yeah. way to look at it. And to me, that's kind of depressing because. I love watching college football because of the upsets, yep. and then that's kind of the reason why you hate college football is because of the upsets, because now you're not sure who's going to get into the yep. Final Four, you're not sure, sure who's going to be able to beat Alabama, maybe Clemson. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say Clemson, because I think Dabo Sweeney is in Nick Saban's head. I think it's the one guy you think You think he is more than I, the, what uh, Herb is? I, I think he, I mean, he's proven that he can beat him, no and so, doubt. And so is Herb. And so is Herb. Um, but I think current, present day... Uh, Clemson has the best shot. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. But no, I mean that that Alabama team is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Really fast. Really strong. Really talented. You could say that about the last ten Alabama teams, though. So, and it is college football, though. You never know, especially with the playoff format. You know, you get four teams that get in, and it only takes one loss. So, you know, game-winning field goal, close game, anything like that, Alabama can easily go down. But do I see it happening? No. Jerry Palm has released his uh, playoff projection. Okay. Because I'm sure this probably changes weekly. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Uh, right now he says Alabama versus Michigan in the Cotton Bowl. Mm. Clemson versus Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl. Notre, there you go. Notre Dame is another good team. I would say I would venture to your university, Alabama and Clemson. Clemson. Yeah. Yep. Although I could, I could see Clemson, Notre Clemson could beat them. <laughs> Maybe. But I could see Notre Dame for some reason knocking off Clemson. Getting into that title game and, and just getting smoked, and then getting smoked like yeah. they did a few years ago yep. with uh, Manti Teo and his invisible girlfriend. <laughs> oh, um, poor Manti Teo. Notre Dame is a hard team to project every because you don't play in a conference, so yeah. you really don't know you know how they stack up against opponents that are theoretically supposed to be in the same caliber as them, and they play all these no name. T- but would it surprise me? No. Do I think it's going to happen? I'm going to say this time and time again. No. <laughs> Clemson, like you said, I think Clemson may have the best chance uh, in the SEC. That Alabama LS or that Alabama uh, LSU game, whenever that happens in, in a couple weeks, I would imagine yeah, here pretty soon. It's going to be huge. That game is going to be uh, very entertaining. And then you never know who's going to end up winning the SEC East. More than likely, it's going to be Georgia. Yep. Georgia could do it. Georgia could do it. Um, I mean, it just takes a team with a really good. I mean, it's got to be a really good defensive team because I think you can beat Alabama. Um, and their secondary. Their secondary is probably the weakest part of their defense. Um, you just need to run the ball, play good defense, and that's how you beat Alabama if you can. Uh, Jerry Palm also has a big prediction for Missouri, if you guys want to hear that. They're going to go to the toilet bowl. Close. They're going to Jacksonville to play in Shotcon Stadium to uh, play in the Tax Slayer Bowl against Michigan State. There you go. Hey, That'd be a good game. We could uh, trash talk Audrey Dahlgren, who's now up in Michigan. We'll Jerry, her, Jerry also we'll has... Her, if that happens, we'll have her run and we'll trash talk we her. Will. Jerry has Kentucky versus Texas in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. It, Texas kind of snuck into that top ten. 
They did. It's, they, te- it's, it's kind, back. It's kind of weird to say that Texas snuck into anything because it's Texas. Yeah. But Texas snuck into the top ten. They're pretty good this year. Yep. Tom Herman finally has a team going in the direction that program probably needs to be going. It's good to see. You like to see it. You, you, o- you Oklahoma, do. Oklahoma's another team, if they can somehow get in. They score a crap ton of points. They score so many points, but that defense is terrible. The defense is terrible. That defense is god-awful. Yep. In, the, uh, in the first bowl game of the bowl season on December 15th, the New Mexico Bowl played in, guess where, Albuquerque. It uh, features Conference USA versus the Mountain West Conference, where you're going to get uh, North Texas versus... San Diego State. There you go. Marshall Falk's alma mater. Uh, Marshall Falk's alma mater. There, there are too many bowl games. And it's, the only ones oh, I, it's ridiculous. The only ones I watch, okay, I watch the one that Mizzou's in. If Mizzou's in one, mm. and then I watch the playoff games, and that's it. I think that could be said for really a the, fan of any, any team. The magic and allure of New Year's Day, of watching those when we were kids, and you had the, you know, the, the Rose Bowl. And the Orange Bowl. And the bowl. Orange Bowl. Yeah. And the Fiesta Bowl. And the Cotton Bowl. You know, the big, the, the big five bowl games. There's, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. No. It's, no. It's, it used to be absolute appointment television. Well, I mean, which, like, okay, you'll watch it if it's going to be a good game. Right. Like, if it's not a playoff game, but let's say it's, you know, Michigan. Let's say it's Michigan versus Georgia in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. I'm just throwing those two teams out there. I mean, Actually, it's going to be Ohio State versus Washington, although maybe according, <laughs> okay. according to Jerry. So it's Ohio State versus Washington in the Rose Bowl. I'll watch it because you know it's probably going to be a, a pretty big game. Good, it's going to be a pretty good game. And what else are you going to watch on TV? There's nothing else going on during exactly. that time of the year. So I ask you guys this: Would you rather keep? Would you rather go back to the four or five bowl format or keep the playoff? I'm keep keeping the playoff. The playoff. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm never, I mean, I'm never getting rid of the playoff. Yeah. As in to determine a definitive winner of the of the college football season, absolutely. Yeah. For the magic and allure of what each of those bowl games used to mean to me as a kid, yeah, I'm a little nostalgic. I mean, but you, you, it's kind of like... You're not going to be able to have it both ways. No, 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 not at all. No. I mean, I guess you can make what you want out of it. You can say, hey, I'm having a big party on January 1st, guys. Come on over. <laughs> um, the other thing going around town, there's two things going around town other than the Blues. One of them is now everybody, that the Cardinals, like it seems like the fans are starting to lower their expectations. <laughs> First it went to Manny Machado, then it went, then it went to uh, Bryce Harper, yep. and now it was starting to seem like, well, you know, what if Josh Donaldson? What if he's <laughs> what if he's the Plan B? Any interest in that? And I'm like, none whatsoever. None. Josh Donaldson, he he's had a good career. He's 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 won an MVP. Mm-hmm. He's on the wrong side of thirty. He is. He's having a lot of injuries. You know, maybe getting off that artificial turf in Toronto and getting on the natural grass at Bush Stadium, maybe that will help. But for the, I'm, I'm just not interested in Josh and Josh Donaldson at all. He sounds like a Cardinal player on the wrong side of thirty injury yes. history. He, he probably he, can be bought for he, incredible he abso- he cheap absolute, price. He, yes, he absolutely does. This is this is a total Cardinal move. Yeah, it would is not surprise me in the least. You're, bit. you're, you're gonna you're gonna whiff on Machado. You're gonna whiff on Bryce Harper. You know, you're going to get everybody's uh, expect. You're going to get some people's hopes up, right? And then you're going to kind of swing in and be like, "Well, you know, we got Josh Donaldson," and then you know, a lot, a lot of the talking heads in St. Louis are going to do their job and, and talk him up about you know what he could be, and you know, if, if he can just get back on track, you know, he's he's an MVP candidate, which he you know he's won one before, right? But wrong side of thirty, yep. You know, they're, they're going to it's, it's going to be more hope trafficking. So I'm not saying like, Ooh. look. No, no signing uh, Josh Donaldson whatsoever. It can't be the only move. And I got if, like, if, if that's going to be the move, it can't be the well, only. Well, you know, we went out and we uh, we got some we we, we got some low hanging fruit that we thought we could get. <laughs> I mean, if they sign Josh Donaldson, 
and that's their only move other than maybe a couple of bullpen players that you've never heard of before, right. it's probably going to be another third-place finish. All things, all things even. But well, you know, me. we like to put on a competitive baseball team every year. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, if they whiff on Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's patrolling right field or center field for the Cubs? Oh I mean, I, I don't know why. I mean, it's theoretical. It's not even theoretically. It's okay. It can happen. It, I mean, can, abs- see, it can absolutely you see, happen. You see what the Brewers done. You see what the Cubs done. If that happened, it would not surprise me whatsoever. Is that a pretty good bow impression or not? Or it's not bad. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. You need, well, the, you need the bow tie, but... Well, and also you lose a couple hundred pounds. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark McGuire is a part in the uh, Padres coaching staff. I saw that on Twitter. He is no longer going to be their hitting coach. Yeah. Hey, come on. Come on home, Mark. So, yeah, you know, this, this could be the typical St. Louis attitude. Being yep. like, hey, he played for the Cardinals. He was good. Was, He's automatically qualified. <laughs> He's automatically qualified. That's all it's going to take. How about this, McGuire? <laughs> the only thing that make it any better is if he went to Mizzou. And he'll be the, the best hitting coach. Oh, we got him. We got we stole him. He actually, he's going to change the dynamic of when, our offense. When he was a hitting coach here, he actually he he's wasn't not, bad. He's not bad. He, was not, he bad. was not a bad hitting coach. He's not bad. How can someone who batted a career 242 be the hitting coach? Those <laughs> those who can't teach. Um, I don't think Jim Edmonds would be a bad one. I've, I've been seeing some rumors about that, about Jim Edmonds possibly being the hitting coach, too. I, the, I'd be curious would, to see I what he can do. I would be on board with that. Yeah, I, think, I would be, too. Does Jim have interest in coaching Young players. That was thing. my thing. Is that's that's one thing. Here's another thing too. I mean, he's got a couple of like young kids. I mean, like yeah. toddlers, infants. Yes, he may not want to be on the road. And he's getting more and more airtime. He I is mean, getting. He is he's getting, getting more, more and more onto the he's broadcast. Very good on television. Yeah, he, he's, he's not bad. He's the best color analyst the Cardinals have. Absolutely, yeah. they absolutely he is. Yeah. And he and Danny Mac, who yeah. is going to be a future guest on this very on this podcast. Yeah. Um. They just the the way they kind of bounce off each other is good. Yeah. Brad Brad Thompson's also very good, I think. Yeah, he's but he's you know very early in his career. But I would be shocked if Jim Edmonds came back and was the hitting coach for the Cardinals. I mean, that would literally. I just don't think he wants to be on the road. I, that much I don't think anymore. he does either. I think that, I that think part of his life is over. Because I think after a while, like we talk to people who retired, the thing they miss the most right. is the road. And I think it's I think the difference between Jim Edmonds, and Mark McGuire is Mark McGuire, other than baseball. You know, may not have a discernible skill set to go out. I mean, if he's going to make money, it's going to be having to do something with baseball. You're always gonna, you're always going to open up a car dealership. Right. You're always going to do something with you know. You're you're, you're, trying, you're going to try to find some way to capitalize on your fame. Right. McGuire and Canettos. And, <laughs> and there you go <laughs> at the old Stan and Biggies. Old, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to you know like open a car dealership. You're going to open a restaurant. Right. You're going to start selling insurance. Right. You'll find some way, even though like Mark McGuire, he's too big of a name to start doing that's that. A, that's the difference between him and Jim Edmonds. Jim Edmonds, while he is a household name in St. Louis, and maybe not as national. No, na- nationally he still is. So I think, but he's also displayed that yeah, if you get him behind a mic and coach him up, he's not half bad. We've we've had worse yeah. broadcast teams oh, here in St. Louis. Absolutely. So, well, I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rumor that will not die. It started, we talked about it the previous episode, and then the morning after on 590, the fan had Benjamin Albright yeah. on... Uh, we the, broke it on Wednesday. Too bad we weren't live on the too, radio. Too bad we weren't live on the radio. But Benjamin Albright, he said, you know, if I'm not saying that, that, that St. Louis should put together a proposal to woo the Chargers, but St. Louis should put together to woo the Chargers. Bring the Chargers home to St. Louis, where you, they belong. You, you you can't swing a dead cat downtown and not hit anybody in a, uh, Dan in, a, in, a, in, a in a Dan Fouts jersey. Dan Fouts is from Afton. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Uh, he was on the morning after for about 45 minutes yeah. talking about it. It was a good it, segment. It was a very good segment, and he brought up some very interesting points. He thinks that there's a 60% chance that they move and a 35% chance. 35% that they move here. That they move here. Now, like a lot of people completely and totally dismissed uh, Ben Albright, and I know a few of them because as soon as that segment was over, I was getting the texts yeah. saying, you know, if Albright was so smart, then how come he's not on anything? Which is a fair point. It's a fair criticism. I think he still does all right for himself. The thing I like about Ben is he's more right than he is not right. Well, and that's what he said, too. I mean, yeah. he, he, Tim even said, this guy came on TMA two years before the Rams moved and said, the Rams are moving. Oh, that's I, done. I, I he have, goes, and so Tim said, because he is who he is, and, my, and I knew his history, that he has sources. The first time I had Ben Albright on my show, we were on 1380. We were on, on Saturday mornings as Sports Junkies. Yeah. And he had something where he even made ESPN something about uh, Peyton Manning, about the Broncos possibly trading Peyton Manning or waving him. I forgot what it was. It was mm-hmm. some Peyton Manning news. Right. So I had him on to talk about that. And then when I was on 590, I had him on frequently then to talk about the relocation because, I mean, he – I don't know. I, I can't sit here and tell you that it's Josh Kroenke. It may be. It may not be. Mm-hmm. It's a logical conclusion to say, hey, he's in Denver. Josh Kroenke's in Denver. He's talking about the Rams. He's talking to Josh Kroenke. Yeah. Um, but I've heard him say, and I've heard other people say, he's not talking to Josh Kroenke. He's talking to other people in the league. Other people. yeah, Other people in the league. He's, he's, well, he's well-connected guy. He, he's a well-connected guy. It, I mean... And he's he's I mean he's not an asshole about it either. No, no, he's very. I mean, and that I was going to say that too is if he's saying something, he's got a good hunch or he's got a good lead as to why he's now, saying it. Now, uh, here's the thing though with the Chargers possibly coming here, um, they uh, I, they can't move until like 2040 or something like that. Someone at Pro football talks so that they can't leave for like another twenty years. They can't leave Los Angeles. Well, they can't. They cannot leave Los Angeles for twenty years. And here's another thing too: is that, and I was talking to Derek King about this on Twitter um, about how like, well, Stan wants him gone anyway. Stan wants him gone. You you don't know that for sure because right now those suites and those club boxes at the new stadium they're being sold for use in 16 games a year right. and not eight. Right. And Stan may want the market to himself, and he may not want the tenant, but so what's the one thing that Stan likes more than anything else? Money. money. He likes his money. So if he's if he's going to find some way that he can make money off the Chargers, he's, he's going to want the Chargers there. Yeah. It's the fans that don't want him there. It could be the, the people of L.A. that don't want them there. But, I mean, like, okay, let's say the Chargers, let, let's say that they were free to leave whenever they wanted to, the Spanos do not have the money to come here and personally finance a stadium. They can't do that. Getting public money for a stadium here, you can forget about that. Right. There's no way in hell that's going to happen. Right. There's a better chance of me waking up tomorrow morning with a full head of hair right next to Scarlett Johansson than there is that ever happening. Clay, is there a secret football deal going on somewhere in town? <laughs> I'm a pretty, con- uh, pretty connected guy in the city, but I can uh, confirm that, no, I have not heard any rumblings. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it would have to be somebody, something where... it. They they come here they play in the dome until they find some way to make right. to yeah. make it work exactly well, now one thing I thought Tim McKernan brought up and he was absolutely right when he said this because everybody's like you know there's no there's no appetite for pro for NFL in St Louis anymore they got burned they got scorned they don't want it anymore I don't think that's true I don't think it is either and Tim brought this up and Tim was absolutely one hundred percent correct when he said this. I think people would be on board just so they could stick it to Stan Kroenke. Oh, for sure. 100%. Nothing nothing I mean, is – sometimes there's nothing more powerful than spite. Yeah. Something that's, that's been mentioned on this show before, 
and that is the fact that the NFL and the NFL owners, they, they thought they were going to make this lawsuit go away from yeah. the city and the, and the conventioners and the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. No, it's not. No. And as a matter of fact, they're now open to discovery. Yes. Yep. The judge, did, the judge said, let's start opening books. And, and they don't want that to happen. And if that's going to make it go away, we talked about, I say ask for two franchises and hope to get one. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a way that the NFL could probably find a way to make it work where they pay for the stadium themselves. Absolutely. It's going to be nothing fancy. Here's what you can do. People kind of forget about this. Stan Kroenke still owns all those, what was it, 365 acres of land out in uh, out in Maryland Heights. In the floodplain. In the floodplain. But, I mean, it's it's by Creevecore Park or whatever. Yeah. So you don't know. You could find some way where Stan Kroenke maybe donates that land. So there's that. You have the money from the NFL, relocation fee, and all that goes towards the stadium, and maybe they find some way to bring in another owner. You keep – you keep. I mean, you hate saying, well, maybe the Taylors could come in. I mean, right. the, the Taylors right now are involved with MLS. <laughs> I, I think, think they've got a little bit tied up, right? They're, they're a little bit tied up. And I think if they really wanted to get you know both feet involved with the NFL, they would have just told Stan, you know what, look, we'll pay for the stadium, just keep right. the team here. Yeah, there are lots of rich families in this town, lots of them. You you, you just you just don't was, know their names. I was going to say it's going to take an it's going to I won't say necessarily an outsider, but it is going to take someone coming out of the woodwork. To, it's going to be to it's going to be yeah. a name that no one has mentioned right. before. To right. say, yeah, it's I'll, just going to swing put, out of there the and be down. like, oh, why didn't we think of them? It's going right. to be one of those. Oh yeah, it should have been them. Yeah. So. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I mean, like Ben said, 35% chance that the Chargers move here. I, I'm with Tim. I think it's more like a 3% chance. Yeah. But there's a chance. There's a chance. I so still think there's, me there's a chance. Yeah. I still think there's a better chance that the Jacksonville Jaguars move here than there is the uh, the San Diego and Chargers. Tim also made another very good point. He goes, he says, I don't know what's happening. But the fact is, there is something happening. And, and, Tim, and, and Tim and I have talked about this off air. Tim knows something. He's not just he's not just talking out of his ass. No, I know. He knows something. He does. The fact that the conversation is even having happening within the public realm, I mean, can tell you, yes, the NFL is completely aware that there's a cry for a football team here in St. Louis. And that and they're that, about to get fucked. And, and that it's it's being discussed. So <laughs> yes. yeah, it's it's definitely on the mind and of here, every front office and person. And here's another thing too. I mean, not for nothing, the NFL, I mean, St. Louis is the twenty first market in the in the in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're not going to want to leave that market. They don't want to no. lose that market, and so far they've lost it. And then the ratings, like the the ratings for the games, have been towards the bottom of, uh, you know, of the national rank of the national ratings. Right. At least they were the first couple weeks of the NFL. Mm-hmm. So we're not exactly making a strong case that there's a big, huge, hungry desire here. But right. they also have to know there's going to be some hurt feelings. I think so. Yeah, that's fair. Um, really, I, you made an excellent point. But I, it's going to have to. It's going to. It's going to take someone coming out of the woodwork. Uh, and two, I think the NFL, aside from a few owners like Stan Kroenke, you know, Jerry Jones, maybe Arthur Blank in that conversation, but I think the NFL, from their perspective, they want a football team in St. Louis. Yes. I think if you ask NFL executives, they want a football team in St. Louis. It's just finding the right pieces. The only reason why Stan Kroenke is in Los Angeles, it's got nothing to do with the Rams going back to L.A. and wronging a right or any of that bullshit that they tried to sell those people in Los Angeles to make them feel better about it. Stan Kroenke's there because he's got more money than God. Oh, absolutely. And of all the owners of a team that could potentially relocate, he was the best one. Right, he was the best option. It didn't matter. He could have owned 
let's say he would have owned the Tennessee Titans and it was a similar situation mm-hmm. and he wanted to move the team from Nashville to Los Angeles, the, the league would have found some way to make it work. No doubt. He was just in the most advantageous position. Because he's he's you know, he's got the land, he could build a stadium by himself. And another thing too, we've seen that it's not exactly it's getting better as far as the ratings and the attendance and all that goes in Los Angeles. They also know that, and right now the team is good, but let's say the team wasn't very good. Let's say the team would continue to be mediocre at best, right. and the attendance and the ratings and all that waned. They knew that Stan Kroenke could financially carry that team until they got good. the stands got there, until right. the, the, the butts were in the seats and the ratings were there. Right. So they, that's another reason why they like Stan there, too. So. Yep. Who knows if the NFL ever comes here again? I hope it does, but I'm not exactly holding my breath. All the scientists are running around looking for the monkey, but he can't be found because he's down by the pond playing hockey with the kids. Joining us on the phone right now is an NHL beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Moriel NHL. Mike Moriel, how are you, sir? What's going on, boys? Glad to join the program. It's uh, been an eventful week and a half of the NHL season, so uh, obviously looking forward to more. And it uh, looks like uh, you know right now in each conference, teams are vying for that top spot, the top eight uh, spots to qualify for playoffs. Uh, I know it's early in the season, but you can never, you can never, uh, you know, get that those one two points. They're so. They're just as important now as they will be, uh, you know, in May, guys. That's well said. That's exactly right. Like the the, the uh, point or two that you pick up now is a point or two less you have to pick up when you're trying to make that playoff crunch in in March and April. Yep, absolutely. And 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 teams know that. Coaches know that. So you'll see line adjustments. You'll see switches. You'll see the backup goalies coming in maybe a little sooner than maybe some of the fans expected that's all part of it and uh you know you need to get those points and I, i'll be quite honest with you guys i mean you're in a tie game late and the devils uh the devils i've been watching the devils a little bit here on the east coast of course and um you know you get into those games late in the third period you're even two two three three uh and some of these teams might be playing for that one point knowing at least you get a point out of the game especially on the road um, and you know, we're looking at the St. Louis blues and going to talk blues here in a minute, but yeah, I mean, the blues are a team that can't seem to hold those third period leads and that may come back to haunt them, you know, three, four months down the, down the road here. Oh, well, yeah. you, you, you've brought Took the words right out yeah, of our mouth. We were, we were talking at the very beginning of the podcast. Uh, people were saying, well, the blues, they suck. I wouldn't say they suck. I think right now they, they've got to be the most frustrating team in the national hockey league for the very, for the very reason you just brought up. They have a lead in the third period and they can't hold on to it. Yeah. You know, after Saturday's four-one victory, guys, you know St. Louis talked about all the right things. You know, I saw the I saw most of the game on Saturday. You know, rediscovering that hardworking, that strong uh, strong checking style that Mike Yo wants them to play. They uh, they played focused, um, but you know, again, it was kind of lost yesterday. And, and we're getting into these trends here with the Blues. It seems where it's it's just a little too inconsistent, particularly for the fans. You know, for the fourth time this season, the Blues failed to hold a lead in the third. And for the third time this season, they lost an OT, and they're 2-3 and three when leading after two periods of play. So, you know, I think Jake Allen said it best uh, after last night's loss, guys. He said, you know, the Blues are scared to lose games right now. You know, they're, they're behind in the standings and playing in the third period like they're scared to lose games. And when you have a team and players thinking that, it's going to happen. Um, you know, they need some of these veteran guys, some of these guys they picked up in the offseason. And 
oh man, did they pick off a lot of you know pick up a lot of players in the off season to become leaders with this group? Um, they just need a little more pick me up here. Uh, um, you know, I, I know it's still young in the season; it's still early. There's a chance to turn things around, but there's no better time than the present. That's for sure. Well said, Mike. Uh, I do want to ask you about the new guys that the blue guys uh, that the St. Louis Blues have between Ryan O'Reilly, Pat Maroon, and then you've got you know rookies like Jordan Cairo, and you got Thomas also lining up. What do you make of their performance thus far? Yeah, you know, I, it, it's tough to say. I mean, you know, when you're trying to grade, you know, I, I got it. I will say this though, I I've been kind of impressed with uh, w- with the second line and and what they've had to bring so far. Um, there's obviously there's been some inconsistencies, um, but you know, O'Reilly, Perron and, and Zach Sanford, you know, um, was taking it to the jets, uh, throughout the game last night. I, you know, I thought, I think they accounted for two goals. I don't know how the sheet in front of me, but you know, they, they have impressed, you know, their passing was very impressive. They seem to have really chemistry here. They look like they've been together for years. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like what they've been able to bring. I think Tyler Bozak needs to bring more. Obviously, Pat Maroon was brought over to to instill some of that, you know, net front presence, particularly on the power play. Get that big body in front. Uh, he still needs to, you know, prove himself. We've just seen, uh, you know, uh, a game's worth of Chad Johnson. So the, you know, the verdict is still out on him. But uh, you know, for the most part, I think the new players, particularly, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, has really has really uh, been a spark to this team. He's obviously on a, a little bit of a, a point-scoring streak for the Blues right now. So there are some positives to take. And, you know, now, you know, Ivan Barbershaft, too, guys. I mean, I you know, I, I know that the Blues have received some solid play from some of these re- veterans, uh, you know, O'Reilly, Perron. But Ivan Barbershaft, I know he's playing a fourth-line role. He was a second-round pick by the Blues in 2014, cracked the NHL roster in, in 16-17, played 30 games, uh, had 12 points that year. You know, he, he's going to be, you know, I, I would think he's going to be a pretty big part in that bottom six role, and you need those players. You need those players to to pick up the pace when the scoring, you know, kind of dries up with that top six. So he's averaging a little over 10 minutes a game right now, and while that's not among the, the team leaders, he plays important minutes for St. Louis. Uh, the penalty kill for the Blues is ranked 11th in the league, um, and it, it doesn't rank in the top 10 in the NHL that, the kill has been one of the blue strengths this season. And, uh, you know, Ivan's been a part of that. And he's also gotten some power play time as well. So um, I, I like what I've seen out of Ivan Barbashev. I know he's still a young player, as are, you know, several of the blues uh, here. I know Mike Yo has, has benched, uh, you know, Robert Thomas, one of those promising prospects for the blues the past three games. But eventually they're go- he's going to have to play him because this is a player that, in my eyes, is, is one of the top, you know, up and coming players in, in in the league in two in three to five years, guys. I would imagine Thomas to be one of the elite players in this league. That's how much I think of him. I don't think there's uh, any player right now wearing the blue note who's under more pressure than uh, than goalie Jake Allen. What has been your assessment of his play so far this season? You know, it, it's so it's so tough, Matt, to to put blame on Jake. I, no, I love Jake Allen. I, you know, he, he's come through on the East Coast here when I, I cover a lot of the games, as you guys know. Um, you know, when, when Jake Allen is on his game, um, he's no doubt one of the, one of the better players, one of the best goalies in the league, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I know the blues, you know, they're, they're, they're 15th in the league in goals. They've got 25 and, and right now they're 27th in goals allowed at 29. And, 
and Jake's numbers, uh, you know, don't look scintillating at all. At an eight eight two save percentage, a three point six four goals against average. Um, but to me, guys, it, it, this is this just comes down to the fact that this Blues team is underachieving. Um, you know, the thing that I guess kind of scares me about Jake Allen is is the fact that. You know, you look at the season he had last year, which, you know, wasn't very promising and, and disappointing in the eyes of many. Um, in the month of October, his save percentage for his career is 926. And right now you're looking at an 882. So that isn't too promising. But the, but the Blues have to pick up the pace defensively in front of him. You know, you look at some of the goals he allowed yesterday at high shot early in the third period. Uh, Winnipeg scored. Uh, you can't do much about that. I, I thought a lot of the goals weren't, you know, you can't really fault Jake for a lot of those goals. And um, they just need to tighten up a little bit better defensively. I think Mike Yo would be the first to say that. And the forwards have to do a better job getting back and, and, and playing more of that 200-foot uh, game, that two-way game. Um, so right now, guys, I'm willing to give Jake Allen a pass. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if Blues fans are willing to do that right now. But, their, their, their patience is wearing say, thin, uh, Mike. I'm not going to lie. You're talking to an angry <laughs> fan base with Jake Allen. Well, I mean, who are they going to go to, right? I that's mean, a that's good the point. Thing. Do, do you go to Chad Johnson? Do you, do you bring in, you know, Billy Huso, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the prospect there? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Goaltending is such, you know, is it, so hard to to gauge nowadays. I mean, let's face it, guys. They may have given up one of their better goaltenders in Carter Hutton in the off season. I mean, yeah. Hutton's having a, Hutton's having a pretty good year, right? With the Buffalo Sabres Absolutely. right now. Yep. Um, so I, I do like Carter Hutton. I know he was one of those older goldies and, and maybe that was the reason why they, they kind of gave up, gave up on him maybe a little bit sooner than, uh, than fans maybe wanted, but, uh, Hey, you got you got to deal with what you, with the cards are you know what cards are dealt and, and Jake Allen is the man right now and again I'm not willing to say this is all Jake Allen's fault he's part of the problem the Blues just have to get it together because this is a, a veteran you know veteran team ineffective leadership guys was addressed in the off season right with these additions O'Reilly Perron Bozak all of whom were alternate captains for their for their previous teams and you know you have Petrangelo as your captain. Steen, Tarasenko, the alternates. I mean, you've got some good leadership here. These guys need to pick it up. These guys, and we're seeing it from O'Reilly, of course, and Perron, but, you know, Tarasenko, but they need to pick up the pace and help out these younger players because the Blues are, you know, somewhat of a young team here. Um, you know, we can't let Braden Shen off the hook, uh, uh, you know, and, and Jaden Schwartz on that top line with, with, with Sanko. So, um it's a, it's a, you know, right now the Blues are a little bit underachieving. They just need to pick up the pace. They need to turn their overall game um, around if they want to turn their season around here. And it's still early, guys, so I, I wouldn't worry too, too much. I was just going to ask, is it, does it just take, you know, for the Blues to get on kind of a heater to really, you know, bond in terms of chemistry? And then, you know, I think the age-old saying is winning cures everything, you know. Um, it's the best deodorant, according to Pat it is, Riley. It is the best deodorant. Is it more yeah. so, you know, they're just trying to figure out how to play together on the ice because there are so many new veteran faces and, you know, they're used to doing things the old way or their old way. And uh, it's just a, it's just a system thing right now as opposed to individual players. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, and, and GM Doug Armstrong did everything he could 
by you know completely revamping his forward group here in the off season and um you know he couldn't have done it without the blessing of ownership which continues to spend to the cap guys i mean that they're they're they want to build a winner here and and they're not looking to for a rebuild or, or a, you know five to ten year plan here the blues have really good prospects in their system they're able to bring them up but they're sprinkling in these good veteran players um that should add and, and add some fire and and, and fuel to, to this team and I think with all these new faces that they brought in this year, yes, it, it, it will take some time. That's the way it's always gone in the NHL when you bring in some new faces. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an adjustment period. Uh, you know, obviously players have to uh, formulate and gain some chemistry with other players on, on other lines. And, um, you know, even now, you, you know, you're seeing, you know, Sammy Blaze looks like he, he's, he's, he was, uh, he was sent down and, they're bringing in new names, new faces into the lineup again. It looks like maybe uh, Robbie Fabry might be good to go, uh, you know, next game at the start of this long uh, homestand that the Blues have. So maybe there's some positive signs here. Maybe you bring in a guy like – bring back a guy like Robbie Fabry into the lineup who's been injured here for, for the Blues. Oh. And, and maybe he's the one to start up – you know, start to get things going for them. St. Louis is excited to see very Robert, excited about Robert, Robert Fabry on the ice again. Mike in any Mor- capacity. <laughs> Mike Moriel Mike Moriel from NHL NHL.com joining us on the phone right now. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, Mike Moriel NHL. Uh, Mike, you brought up you know some of the veteran players that the that the Blues have brought in, you know, Pat Maroon, Ryan O'Reilly, and how they need to take on a little bit more of a leadership role. But how much of that leadership role was falling falling on the head of head coach Mike Yo? There's some Blues fans who are already calling for his head because they've seen how last year went and they knew how his, how his uh, tenure in Minnesota ended. How much of this do you think falls on Mike Yo's head? Yeah, well, I'm sure Mike Yo would be the first to say that, you know, he's got to take responsibility for this too. Whenever a team has some issues, uh, no matter what the circumstance might be, you know, the coach and the coaching staff has to look in the mirror as well to kind of get right the ship in order. It's not easy, but, you know, hey, it's, ultimately, guys, and we all know this, I'm not – you know, this isn't rocket science. It's ultimately the players that determine the outcome of these games. The coach implements the game plan, uh, a structure, and a system that he feels will help you win you games. Um, and for the most part, the Blues have been in a position to win these games. They just seem to falter there in the third period, as we, we, we discussed earlier. I think the difficult thing here, guys, is, you know, Doug Armstrong was probably not expecting to even have to think about a coaching change you know, at this point um, in Mike Yo's tenure, and I still don't think he should be. The season's still young. Let's see what happens. But the problem Armstrong faces is that Yo was handpicked by him, right? Armstrong, you know, yes. could have waited, interviewed all the possible candidates that would have been available in the offseason and gone from there. But instead, you know, he brought in Yo to be the assistant on a Hitchcock for a year and then take over. And, and that decision benefited him during that year since the team – you know, parted ways with Hitch. They went on a little roll there, got into the playoffs. Jake Allen, oh, my God, he was stellar in the first-round win. But uh, things haven't been so easy uh, for the Blues since then. And, and uh, while Mike, you know, while the you know the players have to take blame for, for you know, the lackadaisical start here, Mike Yo, uh, I'm sure, is, is, you know, doing the same thing and, and trying to right the ship and figure things out here for the club. Mike, St. Louis Blues aside, I'm curious to know, you know, we're obviously young into the NHL season, but what has been your biggest takeaway so far in the first couple of weeks of this uh, this season? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, you know, the Montreal Canadiens have been uh, a little bit of a surprise. You look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they've been able to to do in the early stages uh, behind Austin Matthews and what yeah, he's able, he's, he's been good. able to bring. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's been he's been a dominant force. A, a twenty the, a twenty year old kid from San Ramon, California, is not supposed to come in and dominate the NHL. Mike Moriel, what's going on? As as, 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 as an East Coast guy, as it as an yeah. old school East Coast guy, come on, that's uh, got to burn you a little bit that this yeah, kid from well, Cali and his and his rock star hey. hair is in there, you know, dominating the league. That's got to drive you crazy. Grow a mullet already, right? <laughs> They're coming from all over, Matt. I don't know what to tell you. All these players are popping up. I don't know what they're feeding them. Uh, some type of, you know, lucky charms over in that area of the, of the country. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the Maple Leafs have been off to a good start. And and you look you look at the Colorado Avalanche, right? I mean, um, you know, Ratnan has been great on that first line. Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, who just – to just finish second to Taylor Hall for the for the NHL MVP last year, Devils got off to a hot start at four and zero. They lost their lost their last two games, so now they're back, uh, you know, into a position where they're looking to get their game on track again. Uh, you know, the Calgary Flames have been a nice surprise. San Jose seems to be picking it up. So I wouldn't say there was one particular thing that has really stood out to me, but maybe a collection of items, guys that. You know, has has really been, you know, has stood out to me, and you know, just proof that the NHL. You just never know. There's so much parity in the league nowadays. Any team, and and let's face it, it just seems right, guys. Like every year, like one, two, three teams that you don't expect to even be close to the playoffs. Vegas are last there year. In the end. Yeah, yeah, they're there in the end. So that that always happens, and I would expect that to happen this year. The Carolina Hurricanes, right under Rod Brindamore. Um, have gotten off to a real good start. And obviously we all know that they have that, uh, the second overall pick there in Andrei Svechnikov. He's doing a real nice job on right wing. And then I guess the Buffalo Sabres, you know, we expected them to have a little bit of an improvement and they have improved. You know, uh, we mentioned Carter Hutton in goal and they got the number one pick in Rasmus Dahlin, uh, who's done a real nice job averaging as an 18 year old rookie over 20 minutes a game in a top four role for the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, this kid's going to be uh, something special, guys. And in, in ten, you know, he's going to be playing in the league for fifteen to twenty years, and we'll only see if it's with the Buffalo Sabers. But just to have an opportunity to be coached by a Phil Housley, a Hockey Hall of Famer, is certainly a feather in his cap. So, a lot of nice storylines to begin the season. I'm looking forward to to covering the league and, and the players and, and all these rookies and prospects. Uh, you know, for the next you know four or five months down the road. Mike, final question for the evening, and thank you again for joining us. It's so good uh, having you on again. I know I had you on my 590 show all the time, and you were, and you were killing it the, then like you're, like you're doing right now. Um, but growing up here in St. Louis, there, there are a few teams that at, on, across you know the, the sports teams that we had here that would scare me more than the Detroit Red Wings. It just seemed like every year they just got better and better and better and ended the Blues you know, season in the playoffs every single year, and now they are one of the worst teams in the NHL. What what caused this team to be you know to, to fall from the top? It, was it is it basically as simple as Mike uh, Mike Illich passing and you know the ownership kind of being up in the air or, or what's going on with Detroit? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it's a product of a lot of those veteran players that helped this team to so many playoff appearances, twenty plus, uh, you know, retiring, getting injured. Obviously, Henrik Zetterberg. 
we all heard him, uh, you know, with the injuries that he had and he had a call quits and, um, you know, the team is now getting, you know, younger before our eyes. And while, while GM, you know, Ken Holland is doing his best to kind of, you know, cut and replace and, and have some veteran leadership in there. It is basically a young team, guys. You know, you look at Dylan Larkin as the center, Franz Nielsen, you know, Luke Glenn Denning down the middle. It's a young group. Um, you know, they brought in some they brought in some veterans this year and Thomas Vanek, uh, uh, Philip Zadina, we thought would be able to land on the team, the number six overall pick in the 2018 draft. But he was returned. So goaltending is an issue there, guys, as it is, uh, you know, in, in a, for other teams as well. And, you know, Jimmy Howard has struggled a little bit. Jonathan Bernier really hasn't been an answer. Um you know, we're looking, they're waiting for their rookies to come into place. They got a, a nice young kid in Dennis Chowalski, a 2016 draft pick guys who's played really, really well. Um, is playing in a top, top pair role right now, but you're right. I mean, Detroit's going to struggle this year. They're going to they're going to finish seventh in the Atlantic. They may be one of the worst. And I, you know, I'm sorry I have to say this, but to Detroit fans, but one of the worst teams in the league. Oh, it's, not it's, the it's, worst teams. it's a St. Louis podcast. It's, it's, You're not going to yeah, make, make music anybody the years mad. Here. Right. That, that warms my yeah, heart. There's, there's some way that you can maybe just transform that into like a singing telegram, Mike Moriel. Right. I think the people of St. Louis would, would appreciate that. You'd have a job here in no time. Yeah, yes, you would. <laughs> but the bottom, the bottom line, guys, is, is you know Kenny Holland believes that the team is going to succeed by growth from within. So when you when you hear something like that, when you see quotes like that, it means that you're in a, a substantial rebuild. So I'm looking at the Detroit Red Wings for maybe being in this tailspin for another maybe two to three years before finally, you know, showing some progress. Kind of like what the Devils did, guys. They missed the playoffs for five straight years before finally hitting hitting the pedal last year and reaching it. I would expect the same type of situation for the Red Wings. Mike, you absolutely killed it, my friend. It's good hearing your voice. You're one of the very best. We appreciate you making time for us this evening, and we look forward to having you on again throughout this 2018-2019 NHL season. Boys, it's always a pleasure. Enjoy the evening, enjoy the hockey, and have a great year. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. You've been listening to the Last Man Up podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clay, and you can follow Andy at Emo6. Special thanks to NHL beat writer Mike Moriel. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Moriel NHL. We are now going to go to Andy Hanselman. He's got his top five trending sports topics of the week. Hey, it's the uh, from Awful Announcing, the top five takes of the week. Uh, Albert Breer famed NFL writer, gives the NFL credit for an anthem approach they didn't try to take. Uh, Has the NFL been perfect on the anthem? No, far from it, Breer writes. But for now, the league is writing a two-pronged solution that was so simple and grounded in common sense that somehow it worked. And those two prongs can be laid out in nine words. Work with the players, leave the anthem policy alone. Except, that's not even close to true. As Deadspin's Laura Wagner points down the appropriately titled Albert Beer Needs Help, he's in danger of drowning in all the water he is carrying for the NFL owners. This was not the approach the NFL owners or league executives wanted at all. Well, I mean, okay. Thankfully, they have not been talking about the anthem protest or the lack thereof. And really, pretty much at all this season, we've talked about it more on this podcast than I've heard about. Yes, we have. Yep. And I think I think the combination of the media not talking about it. Yep. 
and the play on the field being better and the games being better, yep. I think that's why you're seeing the ratings kind of uptick a little bit. Now they weren't what they were a few years ago, right? But they're still high. They're still the be- they're still the highest rated sports thing on TV, right? And Sunday Night Football is still the highest rated show, not just sports show, show show on television. Yep. So I think that's a lot to do with it. And there's two out to Albert Beer's point. There is some merit to hey, if you work with the players, you know you get better results. I think absolutely that, uh, that may have been the the theme he was trying to go for there. Probably it may not apply in this particular situation, but I mean, you look at salary cap, you look at you know NFL the relationship with the NFLPA. If you form a good relationship with the players, it only makes your league better. Imagine that. Imagine that. Stephen A. Smith argues Anthony Davis won't win the MVP award because he plays in the Smoothie King Center. Stephen A. is great at dialing up the passion on completely ridiculous arguments, and that's what he did Thursday, arguing that New Orleans Pelicans, sorry, Anthony Davis, can't be named MVP because of the Pelicans arena name. I don't think he's not going to win MVP because of the arena name. I think it's because he plays for the Pelicans. Well, okay, but Russell Westbrook won it a couple years ago I, playing for the I, Oklahoma City right. Thunder in the Chesapeake Bay Energy Arena. That's true. So, I mean, there's not much precedence for that. Anthony Davis certainly has the talent to be the MVP of this league. Absolutely. The problem is, is that the competition, especially in the Western Conference, is going to be so tough. You've okay. got the four-headed monster out in uh, out Gold- in Golden State. State. you got LeBron in Los Angeles. Right. you got Russell Westbrook. you got Paul George in, uh, in Oklahoma City. you got right. Giannis in, in Milwaukee. you got Kyrie Irving in uh, Boston. And you've got uh, you know Joel Embiid in, in Philadelphia. So, I mean, right. it's, it's not like there's going to be like, – Plenty of stiff competition out there. I don't think the Smoothie King Arena is going to have anything to do with it. All due respect to Screaming A. Smith. (laughs) Mad Dog Russo loses his mind over MLB start times. Imagine that. Shocker. Get out of here. I'm going to be steamed about this. This is ridiculous. Why? Because of FS1? TBS? I mean, geez. I mean, uh, they got garbage shuttles anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You can always count. Oh, you want I'm to hear, sorry, you, Mad you Dog. want to hear more? Uh, TBS wants to have their part of the game leak into prime time so they can't start at 3 o'clock in Houston in Game 3. Nonsense! Who cares what TBS thinks? <laughs> You'd never be fully mad at him because you know a part of him is just completely senile yes. and out of his freaking mind. And you know, like, a lot of it is kind of shtick, too. It is. I mean, some of it is kind of just it's, straight it, WWE shtick. He's completely a personality, much like Stephen A. Like, you just Absolute, take it for what it is. Absolutely, 100%. Jack Todd asks, have some of us forgotten why we watch sports? Implying everyone watches sports for the reasons he does. Uh, he's a curmudgeon from Montreal. Delivering an extremely predictable column this week saying that everyone should watch sports the way he does for the reasons he does with his limited understanding of what's actually going on. You know it's going to be good when the subhead is sometimes we're caught up in everything from our contracts to Corsi, but too busy with our calculators and web wars to simply watch the game. Oh, okay. So he's one of these old guys who doesn't like the uh, the advanced uh, metric stats when it comes to sports. But I mean, like, look, you, you see a lot of this mostly, you see most of this in baseball than you do in any other sport. You know, you got the old school manager who wants to go on his gut, right. and then you've got the new guys who want to come in and they want to go through statistics they want to base their decisions on that where it's kind of like a combination of both yeah and i think to i think his point it absolutely has changed because the the evolution of social media and how people even go about watching the game or talking about the game it completely takes away from the old school hey let's sit down at a designated time and i'll watch this on the boob too okay when you were a kid the stats you talked about when it came to baseball players was batting average home runs 
and 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 uh, RBI. That was it. That was it. That was it. Maybe slugging. OPS. And stolen base. OPS. Kind of. If you understood what OPS okay, meant back uh, like in the when day. I was when I was a kid, we didn't talk about OPS. You didn't talk about on base percentage. You didn't right, talk right. about WAR. You know right. what any of that was. Right. How what's his batting average? How many home runs did he have? How many runs did he drive in? Right. He's a good player. He's a bad player. You were so good. I, I, I got to tell you how good you are. That take right there. That hot take takes us into our number one hot take. There we of the go. Week. Love it. Bill Welt. Maybe wonder who Bill Welt is of the Springfield, Illinois State Journal Register, just uh, about forty-five minutes north of here. Calls exit velocity the most popular fake stat of them all. <sighs> I mean, it's not a f- what's what's fake. What's yeah, fake I about? Say, it? I don't know what the fake part. Well, is. here, uh, maybe that is overvalued. Or it doesn't mean anything. I'm telling you right now, the one to me, the one stat in baseball to me that doesn't make any sense. And you're a lot smarter than I am, Clay. <laughs> so maybe you're going to explain it to me. What kind of stat is total number of bases? Who cares about that? So the total number of bases. I mean, it goes back to the old Bill James, you know, Moneyball type, I guess, analysis or approach to the game. It's if you score the most runs, you win. And theoretically, not theoretically. If you have the most people on base and touch the most bases, you score more runs. You want to hear what Bill okay, had but to so say? It just sounds like it's another way to break down runs. It is, it's just a, it, say runs. Yeah, just say runs. Just say runs. Do you, you, you want to hear what Bill had to say about this? Fellow writer Trevor Lawrence famously coined fake stats a while back. I think I know the biggest one of all. Exit velocity in baseball. Networks will show a replay of a home run and emphasize how fast the ball went out of the ballpark. For example, a home run traveled up to 115 miles per hour over the fence. What does that mean? I don't know, because I'm already discerned that the dang ball was crushed. This is what I do know. It doesn't matter, and nobody cares. I think exit velocity is used not... It's better used in situations where the ball does not go out of the park and where it's in out, because you... I mean, it's just it's just cool to talk about. It, it is, is cool, cool to talk because about how also, I mean, you talk about... In golf, you talk about ball speed and swing speed. Yeah, all the time. about how fast the ball's coming off the club yeah. of the face. The you, you've face heard of the club. You, you've heard me talk about this show all the time. The Dan Lebitard show on ESPN from nine to noon, Monday through Friday. Must listen. Must listen. It is the best. I'm not even talking about sports radio show. That is the best radio show in the nation. And Tuesdays are my favorite days because they have Greg Cody on, and Greg Cody is a little bit of this kind of old curmudgeon, and he has this thing that he does. It's called Back in My Day, where he talks about things. <laughs> well, like why, why can't they be like what they were back in my day? And the one today was kind of lame, but usually they're hysterical. But if you're going to listen to the Dan Levitard show, you do it on Tuesdays with Greg Cody because Greg Cody is just an old fart who's bad at radio, but he's he's unintentionally funny. Like they'll start talking about like Tim Tebow. And he's like, man, Tebow wouldn't that be a great name for a car. <laughs> like that's a sharp <laughs> yeah. looking Chevrolet Tebow you got out there. It would just just, just hysterically funny. Um, make sure you uh, follow the, the the show on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. Follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. Follow Andy at Emo Six. Special thanks to Mike Moriel. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Moriel NHL We will see everybody on the on the other side. 